0: You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church, to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to The Worship Review, a podcast for the church where we examine Christian worship music for its lyrical content. My name is Tyler, and I'm joined by my co-host. Hello, I'm Colin. And today we'll be taking a look at a song called In Christ Alone by Keith Getty and Stuart Townend, Uh, although the lyrics were written by Townend, Mm -hmm. and the music was written by Getty, from what I understand. In Christ Alone is found.
1: He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and
0: storm. Colin, what is this song about?
1: This is a song that describes the hope that an individual has in Christ. Not not just vaguely about a, a second-person pronoun. Very specifically, it is about Christ. And the song makes it totally clear why the person has hope in Christ.
0: Why does the person have hope in Christ?
1: The person has hope in Christ because of all that Christ accomplished. So Christ came to the earth uh, as a helpless person baby, Christ then took on the scorn and mocking and uh, punishment and even the wrath of God itself, and then Christ was risen again, was raised again by God, and this brings about liberation for the person who's singing it. They are free of guilt, they are free of fear of death, and they have the power of Christ within them, and they have it um, from the very beginning of their life until the to the very end of their life. So it's a song which just is pregnant with detailed, rich assurances about all these things that Christ has done and who Christ is and how these things provide a secure hope.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's well-structured, too. It opens with that hope, and then it founds it, it justifies it in the second verse in his incarnation and his resurrection in the third verse and the fourth verse, which boasts in the assurance that we have of our salvation.
1: It begins at a totally different place than many songs and also even many like presentations of the gospel. So many presentations of the gospel begin with, here's why things are terrible, like things went bad. This song begins with hope. And it does, in the first verse, give a sense of things that are going bad. It uses the storm metaphor, for example. It also uses a drought metaphor. But only very briefly. The first verse of the song, is all it starts from a place mm-hmm. of hope. It begins very similarly to the song Who You Say I Am by Hillsong. That song begins with a person in the status of being welcomed by the highest king. And then it's sort of asking the question how that happened. And in a way, this song, In Christ Alone, also begins with hope. I have hope. Here's why.
0: And you mentioned the drought and the storm being used, but to your point, they're mentioned after the cornerstone, yes. the solid ground that is firm, right? Yes. So they're put into their proper context
1: absolutely and as you were saying earlier there's a real cohesion to the story about God in this so we know what Christ did in sequence that he yeah went he he, he was incarnate he went to the cross he was raised again and he um, he now holds the Christian in his hand
0: I wondered about the phrasing in the beginning, if it was intentionally meant to set up the structure of the song, he is my light, my strength, my song. Um, we have in the third verse, the light.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. So we have the light brought back into uh reference with its former mention. And then also, not strength, but maybe a similar word, power. Um, No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. And Mm -hmm. then at the end of the verse, until he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. So I wondered if that was intentional or if that just is a nice coincidence.
1: I mean, I wonder if it was intentional just because these songwriters, you know, Stuart Townend and, and the Gettys, are very good at tying together um, various themes in their songs. Like, they don't often leave loose ends to be wrapped up. And in fact, they're very good at, like, referencing something in an earlier part of the song or having a reference in an early part of the song be sort of resolved or expanded upon later on.
0: So what does this song teach us about God?
1: It teaches us very specific, very clear things about God. We do not have to wonder in this song why this person has hope. And there are some metaphors in this song, and many of these metaphors are scriptural. Mm-hmm. So like the cornerstone in verse one, Christ is the cornerstone, at the solid ground, and that's firm through the fiercest drought and storm. So not mm-hmm. only is this a kind of logical use of metaphor, but it's a scriptural metaphor too. I mean, it harkens back to the parable of the man who built his house on the rock. Mm-hmm. So, all these things that God is doing and that God is providing, stilling fears, ceasing our strivings, comforting us, loving us, these things are all rooted, for the most part, as far as I can tell, in scripture, in the actions of Christ. And then in subsequent verses, especially in verse two and three, really are the really meaty, the meatiest verses of an already meaty song. Mm-hmm. Those verses really ground the song in specific actions of Christ. They just simply say what Christ did. He took on flesh, he was a helpless baby he was a gift. So, there's a metaphor there, but we already know what the gift is. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not just, the song doesn't just tell us about a gift. It says, this is what God did. He took on flesh. Uh, So, again, another action of God. He was scorned uh, by the ones he came to save. Mm
0: -hmm. Which is a clear testament to his love, right? You could say, his love is so good to me. That's true. Or you could say, This gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. That accomplishes uh, a similar thing, but with much greater magnitude, and also it probes the depths of the intellect in ways that the former didn't, in that it roots it in objective truth.
1: To think about songs that we've already done on this podcast about not being able to think. This is a song that actually uses our minds to create doxology. This is a song that brings us into worship God by painting very vivid and clear pictures in our mind mm-hmm. and, and 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 making our mind comprehend as much as we can the magnitude of what Christ has done. And of course, even this song can't capture that, but this song is actually very helpful in connecting our thinking about God with a response mm-hmm. of worship. So again, we see more actions in the third verse where uh, God was, uh, there's some passive, God was slain, or Christ was slain. So, and again, clever use of passive because this is something that happened to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we have the active bursting. So Christ takes over again as the actor, he bursts forth, he rose, he stands. Because Christ stands in victory, there's no curse of sin that can still grip the person, and the person is God's, and God's is his. And the person has passive, again, bought, been been bought mm-hmm. um, with the precious blood of Christ. So, there's a lot of action rooted in Scripture, rooted in the actions of Christ, and the use of passive and active voice really well done as well in here.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the salvation is clearly accomplished by God Mm -hmm. and not by the worshiper who is pretty much along for the ride in the song in the (laughs) best way possible.
1: Yeah. I mean, the song sets it up that way. In Christ alone, my hope is found. I mean, that's just the first thing that the song says Mm -hmm. is, this is the place where my hope resides, and then it goes through. And in fact, by the time we get to explanations of the Christian life, which is in verse 4, it is again in relation to the work that god has done so the christian life is a life of guiltlessness because of the power of christ mm-hmm. and the christian life is a life where we don't fear death to live as christ and to die as gain because we know christ rose from the dead and so we will be risen as well and in fact again the 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 song even assures the christian that this assurance is, has been there your whole life and will be there until you die. You, your destiny is commanded by Christ. So, it just sets up, I think, such a good and healthy view of sanctification as, all, as a work of God as well. Mm-hmm. This, everything that the Christian is doing has been ordered and ordained and commanded by God in Christ— and nothing can change it. it. says no power of hell, no scheme of man. So, n- neither spiritual forces nor secular forces can change the status mm-hmm. of the Christian. Time doesn't change it, mm-hmm. and we are simply hoping in a sure way, not in like a subjunctive it-might-happen way. We have a sure hope. Uh, and then it's interesting, too, because the, act, the uh, verb is repeated— here, which is stand. At the very end of the song, the last word is stand. So, we see in verse three that Jesus stands in victory, mm-hmm. and that's describing the resurrection, the resurrecting action of Christ. And then at the very end of the song, we see that the believer also stands in the power of Christ. Mm-hmm. So, a nice use of actions where we see the same action taken by both Christ and the believer, but... Um, there's a unity mm-hmm. there. There's a there's there's that sense that ver the verse force is really about sanctification, and there's even like a way of expressing the hope of sanctification there. No of hand, no of man, I don't know how long these lyrics took to write, uh, but they are they are a piece of art, like in and of themselves. They, they are so clever and so multi-layered. In so many of the ways that we've seen songs miss the mark, this song really, in my view, just hits so many of the aesthetic criteria even, not, not, a, not just to mention the objective truth.
0: It's interesting to think about the pronoun usage because I don't think there's a single first-person plural at all the no. us or we, we yeah. A- acknowledgement of the body is not there uh, but it it can be very quickly inferred from context yeah so you offer very high very high praise of this song yeah um that's not always been the case there have been some who have rejected the song and and sought to remove it from hymnals and the controversial line is in verse 2 till on that cross as jesus died the wrath of god was satisfied for every sin on him was laid here in the death of christ i live people have taken issue with this because of the phrasing of God's wrath being satisfied and and have changed it to the love of God was magnified mm-hmm. because Christ's sacrifice was also love for us. It was a symbol and it was the enacting of that love for humanity. But um, these are some of the things that the – there's a very large mainline Presbyterian denomination that sought to – changed the words, and when they reached out to the authors, the authors refused to let the words be published in any other format. Mm -hmm. Um, One minister in this denomination said, that lyric comes close to saying that God killed Jesus, he said. The cross is not an instrument of God's wrath. Mm. So that's that's the heart of the controversy, and they voted 6 to 9 to keep it. And so, obviously, it was not kept. I want to ask you, Colin, do you see an issue with the wrath of God being satisfied? Do you see an issue with the uh, substitutionary atonement?
1: I don't. Uh, My theological convictions are certainly such that, in my view, the wrath of God was poured out on Christ. And he said, you know, my God and my God, why have you forsaken me. Christ experienced the full weight of sin and judgment, and I think he had to do so in order to accomplish the plan of redemption. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Tyler?
0: I do not object to seeing the cross as an act of love, but... In this context, it's meant to put that over and against the attribute of God of righteousness and holiness. And so a holy God has to have wrath. And so I think this is a classic case of um, confusion by allowing the attributes of God to compete with one another rather than being viewed in um, perfect harmony in him. So I, I do not object to saying that the wrath of God was satisfied on Christ on the cross. So, USA Today picked up the story because it was such a big move to cut this beloved song from the hymnal. And so, in 2013, they ran a story on this. And the director of Lifeway Worship said, his name's Mike Harland, said, The faith of current generations and future generations is shaped by what we say and what we sing. That's why you stress over every word. And I would wholeheartedly affirm that statement, Um, we're concerned with our faith and the faith of future generations, even with little words like satisfied and wrath. Or pronouns. Or or pronoun usage, uh, specificity of metaphors, consistency of narrative. That's why we are concerned with that on this podcast.
1: I mean, Tyler, do you see a scriptural basis for your view?
0: I do. Um, I see in this song in particular— Uh, an image of Jesus that is taken from Isaiah 53. Um, He is the suffering servant, and we read Isaiah 53.3, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and is one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Verse 4, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. I think we see in this prophetic word Mm. an image of a servant who suffers on behalf of a people. And by God's grace, we are counted among those who are saved by this work on the cross.
1: Yeah, this this passage is really among the most important for justifying the idea that Christ felt the wrath of God. Even in verse 6, uh, we all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. God, and how does God respond to iniquity? It's not with being slightly annoyed. God is wrathful. His, his hatred for sin burns like a holy fire. In order for Christ to ex- have experienced the burden of the iniquity of us all, he had to have experienced the wrath of God. He
0: mm-hmm. had to. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't be a holy God in, in the best sense. He, wouldn't be the, he would not be a holy God if he did not burn with wrath against sin. And we live in a world of great, enormous, evil, sins and people perpetuating horrible things. And if I were to say that my God is not angered by that His very being, I would be lying about my God.
1: It would be right. It is right and good for God to be wrathful about those things. I'm sure that people who have committed heinous crimes have been called.
0: Sometimes in prison.
1: Exactly. And if that's the case and Christ paid for their sin, the wrath for those sins must be hot. We feel hot wrath for those sins, and yet our wrath probably does not even compare no. to the wrath of God. So, for Christ to have taken on the iniquity of us all, uh, for, for all of those murders and lies and thefts and, you know, all sorts of abysmal, terrible, heinous crimes, it, the wrath must have been, uh, we, we could not bear it. You know.
0: So we've discussed the clarity in passing quite a bit. The metaphors are precise, they are consistent, they tie things to actions in scripture. Um, Colin, do you have concluding remarks on this song? What would you say uh, about this song in general?
1: It is a song that clearly explains the hope that not only this worshiper has in Christ, but as we sing it, it is our hope. Every Christian can sing this song confidently. And I would just say myself, I I have sung this song and led this song in worship many times. I sing it to my children at night, and it doesn't matter how many times I've heard this song or sung it, it still brings about not only a, a thoughtful worship of God, but it stirs in me uh, emotions and a, a, a response of worship and gratitude to God. And it's not because the song is manipulating me or because it has come up with some kind of earth-shattering metaphor. It's because the song just so clearly and artfully explains what God has done in Christ. And that's the power in it, is that it, it adheres so closely to Scripture and to the gospel that it is i i just i challenge a christian to sing this song and not be engaged in some way i'm not saying that that necessarily will lead to an expressive worship but it this song i think just is very likely to to encourage any christian to to praise and worship of god because of what christ has done
0: mm-hmm. and unlike some other songs that we've looked at the music that is accompanying the text is triumphant. Mm. It is rejoicing. It is not aimed at poking at your insecurities. Uh, It, in fact, takes the lens and points it in a whole different direction. If you want to come to this song and talk about your feelings, it will grab the camera and point it toward the truth of the gospel.
1: If you wanted—so there are some songs that really use music to manipulate— uh, key changes to manipulate, various kinds of transitions and you know acapella singing to manipulate and all that kind of thing or, or that you know just different dynamics in music. This is a good song if you want to get away from that from practicing lining up music with lyrics. So one of the common ways this song is sung is with a quiet third verse, first half of the third verse, and then some form of, of triumphal, entry uh, in the middle of the third verse, or at least a build-up from that middle portion to the end. The lyrics in the song almost command Mm -hmm. the musical accompaniment to do Mm -hmm. that, to just, you know, bursting forth. Like, we would... In churches that I was a part of and led this song in, we would often just bring in the drums really heavily on that bursting forth. Um, or Up From the Grave He Rose Again, it has this idea of rising. And so, you know, you could just build with, again, drums, bass, your percussion section, whatever.
0: And you couldn't open this song with, "In Christ alone.
1: Yeah, right. You you can't do it. With it, a cry, crying, whiny voice. Right, and yeah. even the
0: third verse, which yeah. you said has been performed, and I've heard it that way quite quietly in the beginning and then crescendoing and then maybe a jump up the octave. You can't start that verse, there in the ground, his body lay, because it's already anticipating the resurrection that is stable and Mm -hmm. is secure, and you're going to sing in the next line. Yeah. So, Colin, you say you would recommend this to worship leaders, to music pastors. Uh, What score would you give this song?
1: I gave this song five out of five Trinity Psalter hymnals, which is the hymnal of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, which has chosen to keep the lyrics as is. And that is a very conservative denomination, I have to say. They're very careful with what they put in their hymnals, and they put this song in their hymnal. So that's the reference. Mm
0: -hmm. Notorious for combing through texts for... Yes, um,
1: there's some very per- inconsistency. If you think if you think we're persnickety, you need to meet some OPC people.
0: Yeah, looking at you, Carl Truman. <laughs> <laughs> if he ever
1: listens to this podcast, if he ever does, please write us. We're we're big fans.
0: Uh, I also gave this song a five out of five. Snakes banished from Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Very say, good. Snakes banished out of Ireland. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Very clever. Can you explain that reference?
0: For I am poking at poking fun at the heritage of the Gettys, hailing from Ireland, and uh, referencing Saint Patrick, who famously, though probably not actually, banished all the reptiles out of Ireland.
1: Anyway, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Worship Review. Uh, we hope to see you again next time.
0: Goodbye. You've been listening to The Worship Review. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. We accept donations at anchor.fm slash theworshipreview and patreon.com slash theworshipreview. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.